Hi, welcome to the Hardy Podcast with your host, Stephanie Wilson, and me, Heather King. We have one of our favorite episodes we've ever recorded today with our friend Jessica Ashley. You don't want to miss this, so let's jump right in. Thank you for being here. Hello. Hello, friends. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the Hardy Podcast with today's guest, Jessica Ashley, who we are so super excited to see and hear. Stephanie, why don't you let us know who Jessica is for those that don't know? Well, I'm really excited to have Jessica on. She is a friend and she is also rewriting the narrative of divorce. She is the the divorce coach for moms. CDC certified divorce coach and helps women thrive through transitions with grace, creativity, and maybe some cussing. On TikTok and Instagram, and she's at Divorce Coach for Moms, Jessica is a mom's best girlfriend in divorce, posting two videos daily to a rapidly growing audience of women seeking community and clarity. She's the author of The Blended Family Q&A, 400 Questions to Spark Fun and Thought-Provoking Conversations by Rockridge Press 2021. And three self-published books for divorcing women. Jessica is an award-winning content creator and writer and teaches a graduate communication class at Northwestern. Tune in to her as a speaker and guest expert on TV, radio, and podcasts, including Oprah's Super Soul Sunday, Life Class, Martha Stewart Radio, Listen to Your Mother, and Northern Trust. I also just saw you on NBC, right? (laughs) That was great. Jessica wears inappropriately high heels to cheer from the sidelines at her children's track meets, soccer matches, and gymnastics competitions. She reluctantly and instinctively responds to both Jessica and Ashley. We're so glad to have you here. (laughs) Can I, I know you're going to understand this, but I had forgotten that I changed a line in my bio that was, she wears inappropriately high heels to the playground to the sidelines. I love it. I love it. I could just like provoke some tears because I've got a senior who's getting ready to graduate. Oh. And we're in the final we're in the final track season right now. And for some reason, no pardon it, just like welled up like, oh, oh I love From the it. playground. Right? Yeah. From the playground to senior year. I mean, it it's crazy. So I um I just also want to say that I'm very excited to have you here. I remember meeting you. I remember the first time I met you. I don't for sure know where we were, but I it was like during a cocktail hour and I just fell in love with you immediately and we had mutual friends and it, you know like and then just have connected with you ever since. And really I wonder if it really, was Chicago blog her. I don't know. It could have been. Was that a yeah, it could anyway. The big one. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure it was at this thing I spoke at, and I know Anne was there, Anne Emig. And I remember that I was more disorganized and out of my head than I had ever been at any speaking thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember feeling like I just wasn't making any sense. And I, w- I was trying to talk about sobriety and recovery and just motherhood and whatever. And it was, I thought it was terrible. And then I had all, not all these people, but like um, two or three people come up to me afterwards and say that it was life changing. You know, those moments where you're like, how could it be life changing? I didn't make any sense because I was having a really bad day. I'm pretty sure you were there, but you don't need to remember that. Um, I do. (laughs) Oh, well, and, and then, um, you know, Steph and I have both been through divorces. We talk about that a lot um, here on the Hardy podcast. Um, and Single Mom Nation was so helpful to me um, during that time. I I didn't say a lot. I just, the comfort of reading other people's advice and experiences was so invaluable to me. So thank you for the work that you do. Yeah, that's my pleasure. I, <laughs> I, I love like being here at this point because Heather, I remember meeting you, Steph, that was a hundred years ago as well. Um, and um, my son was like three then. I mean, that's a long time to know each other. And I think even from afar, having that 
connection, but then from afar, seeing each other and wanting to cheer each other on and check in, even online, um, it makes it so precious to see your faces. But we've been through a lot. <laughs> we've been through a lot. Still here. Yeah. We yeah. sure have. So where do we even begin? <laughs> yeah. So, so many. let's dive into the deep end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, yes, we're, we're all divorced. And I happened to come from a background where divorce was just like not even an option, you know, for the, for my whole life. And, and so in my marriage, you know, I was married 18 years and basically it became, um, the only way I could survive my life. It was literally like, I figured it was that, or I wasn't going to make it. And so, um, I now and and at the time, of course, it felt like such a huge failure. I have four kids. I was a stay-at-home mom. I felt like it was impossible to even imagine the other side, like what even was going to happen, how ugly was it going to get. Um and I'm 5 years out now. I have to say I've learned to claim it as one of my greatest triumphs. Like I am so immensely proud of myself every single day that I did it. And I am here and surviving it. Um, and I mean, I know Heather has, you know, whole different perspectives on everything. I, um, I'm just curious, can you, you know, explain your story? And um, we can even go far back as when did you start blogging? And were you married when you started blogging? Okay. Why? I was. So let, but let's pause here because I want to address a few things that you said that are critical. Women who reach out to me um, to talk about divorce or to talk about coaching or whatever it is, readers, viewers, whatever it is, express so many points that you've already raised here, regardless of religious background, upbringing. There, we have to acknowledge when we're talking about women and divorce, particularly moms, there are so many societal pressures with the should. Um, for example, I've never heard a man say divorce is not an option. Never. <laughs> I've only ever heard mom say it. And, and so I just want to say that although some of your experience is niche to the way you grew up, the experience is something many of us can connect to. You know, probably that I say divorce is the second greatest gift of my life after having children. It showed me exactly who I am, where I need to get accountable, where I need to grow up, where I need to learn, and where I'm a fucking badass, like where I'm a superhero. And in in getting really honest about that with a therapist, with friends, with myself in the journal, screaming it off the balcony, I it radically shifted my life. And so I do acknowledge what you're experiencing with yourself and how immensely proud of yourself are, because I believe it's like this, somebody on a podcast I had said one time, an author, she's amazing, said, it is your best self from the future calling you forward. And I <laughs> do love that and think of it often, it, but it is, you have to step through the door. And so stepping through the doors is a really hard part. So I just wanted to acknowledge what you experience feeling trapped, not knowing how you're going to go for it. That's Every day, women from all, you know, they have a million dollars in the bank account. They have $10 in the bank account. They've been raised super liberally. They've been raised very conservatively. Have a lot of these same mental grapplings and emotional grapplings that you did. And ultimately, for some of us, it is about saving our own lives because the stress of it um, getting smaller and smaller, not just physically saving our own lives, but emotionally saving our own lives. So I, I just always feel so it feels so important to acknowledge our connection but also how proud i am that even in the pain and the hard hard parts of it the challenges that, that you've chosen yourself so i love I you i love Thank that you. yeah i um the the back to the og blogging i i started my blog i was hired to be a professional blogger in a very random way um, I, a friend from a play group sent me a job posting for a parent writer 
I guess 1,200 people applied. 20 of us got it. And I was one of them. And we it was blind. We didn't know what it was. It was for Nickelodeon. So I became one of Nickelodeon's first bloggers, That one of their first bloggers. And I met Stefania Pomponi, who at the time was blogging as City Mama. We were paired together because our kids are the same age. And I got on the phone with her and she said, um, you're going to start a blog. Here's your discount code for the platform. Here are the first three things you're going to write about. Find a name, get a URL, get on there today. And it was wow. like, it was awesome. It started, And I really began it with the centering. This is a love letter to my husband and son. And was that very, Sassafras, Jess? It was Sassafras, yeah. And that was my, that that's what it was. I mean, it's all about, it's my perspective of them. And then very quickly, it became a chronicle of my experience through divorce. And that was at a time when I couldn't find anything about divorce. I mean, you know, OG mom bloggers were writing about a lot of stuff, but I could find very little. One day after I left him, I got very pissed and sat down and wrote a post called Today I Took Off My Wedding Rings and I just hit publish. It's full of typos that I cannot bring myself to go back and change. And everything changed then. And I, it was the first moment I understood that my vulnerability about my experience was going to become my power and my connection. And, um, and so, so that's how that began. I love that. And I remember, and then, so I think Stefania was part of SV moms, which like we became a part of, I think that's that's how we met was through Chicago moms. Okay. Which was, um, Chicago moms blog, which was a whole other life. It feels like, (laughs) and I have to do a side note. I was so nervous joining Chicago moms. I had, um, so Jill was the, the leader of SV moms at the time, which was Silicon Valley moms, but then they did branches like, you know, different regions. I was so nervous because I was a conservative Christian blogger and a lot of what I would read, I was like, there's people talking about, you know, abortion and things that I don't support, you know, at the time I was so nervous and she just encouraged me that she wanted, they wanted my perspective through that. It helped me be around people. I had never been around these people before because I was so isolated in my church community. And so I'm so glad I didn't say no, you know, because of that, you know, my, like the, what I thought was the Holy Spirit telling me you should not write at that, you know, I wanted to. I felt so um, honored to be asked to write there, you know, and I'm so glad I did because that just, you know, opened more, it just opened my mind. And um, I'm so thankful I got to meet you and all of, all of those people, but it's true. Divinity, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But just writing the truth that those were the best blog posts, the raw you know, the hardest ones where you're like, how am I going to regret writing this? <laughs> no. Okay. Heather, did you want to add anything there about your own experience about blogging? And- no, no, I no? am. I am just okay. absorbing the two of you. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> well, one thing I wanted to talk about as well is a lot of times when people talk about divorce, the kids are prioritized and it's like, how are the kids? How are we going to talk to the kids about this? How are you going to make sure they're not traumatized? You know, how are they coping? A lot of people don't even like think about how you are, like what you're going through, how to support you. Um, I think in my mind, I still felt like I was doing something bad, you know, or I was, you know, in trouble and I was, um, causing this, you know, uh, my ex even, you know, said, you know, I'm blowing up our life, you know, whatever. And yeah, I kind of was because I, that life wasn't serving us. But, um, I feel like a lot of people just go straight to the kids instead of you, you know? And I mean, how, how can we be more supportive of moms now and beyond and changing that conversation to not make it you know, to make it normalized because it is, it is like very common. 
Yeah. I think our language, the language we've developed and is our go-to is very centered about kids. Of course, we're going to, of course, we're wonderful mothers. We're loving mothers. We're nurturing mothers. Of course, we're going to center our children. But the acceptable language is we're going to make sure that this is okay for the kids, or I'm not going to leave because of the kids. I'm guilty about breaking up the family. First of all, my centering is this. There are no broken families. There are no failed marriages. There are broken people. There are broken people within those homes, but there are no broken families or failed marriages. Something comes out of it. We are allowed to evolve and grow and change as are our families. They look different now. We are still a family. Doesn't mean you have to feel that you are a family with your ex, it does, or your child's other parent, but it means that you and your children have evolved and you are taking them with you on that process in that process. I also really want to clarify that we know from lots and lots of research: happier, healthier mom, happier, healthier children. We also know from research that. The predictor for how children will fare in many areas of their life is one stable parent, one stable, loving, caring parent. So this blows up a lot of bullshit that we read about why you should stay married or what why you should stay in a situation, you know, it blows it up because a household with a stable, consistent, loving, nurturing, healthier, happier parent does so much for children and gives them a norm and a balance for what might be happening with the other parents in the other household. Now, hopefully that's happier, healthier, evolving too, but we know in many cases it's not. Additionally, it is very difficult for us as protective and loving mothers to know we are leaving a situation where our children are going to have to navigate that other parent and home without us. It's really, really scary. I know this personally and professionally. And I also believe that while the children are with us in our home, we have the responsibility and the opportunity to teach them how to navigate that in a healthy way as we are learning it and healing ourselves so that they actually live in a home that is all of those good things, even if they are going to another home or in another relationship with a parent that isn't those things. They know how to navigate it. Now, in a bigger picture, this is critical. At some point, our children will have a toxic boss. They will be in a relationship where they get uh, a friendship where they get bullied or mistreated. They will be in a relationship where they are unhappy. Understanding that their mom has been through it, has been healing and growing, gives them the opportunity to say, my mom knows I can go to her and talk to her about this. I can support her through this. You know, I can get her support through this. I um, I know it's possible. I get to change my mind. And to me, this is the crux of it. It is so powerful to be able to tell kids, you get to change your mind because it means that you don't have to stay in situations that are harming you or where you're unhappy or you've simply grown out of them. Now, when I post about this on TikTok, um, I get a lot of backlash about this, and it's no surprise who it comes from, because I think a lot of, and I'm going to generalize here, hashtag not all men, whatever, but I think it serves many men well to know once you are in the situation, they don't want you to leave because it doesn't serve them well. The more power, autonomy, independence, financial means, growth, connection you get, the less it serves them. So there's a lot of backlash there about women getting to change your mind. But I want my children to know that even when it's hard, you get to quit track. You get to change um, colleges if you need to. You get to change your job, your career. You get to do that. We have this one one precious and wild life. We get to change our path. So that is upending for some people. I understand for some people that's a radical look at divorce. But if we can lean into it as women who have been divorced I, and we can share that with other women, I think there's a real raw power here and a relief. 
Absolutely. I mean, those words are so life-giving. Like, I hear that and I am like, there's so much hope out there. There's so much still available to you. And like, for me, like, I mean, I was married 18 years and I wanted to be done with it from day one, sadly. Like, I mean, I stayed that long. However, it got to the point where my kids were getting older and I realized I am modeling for them a relationship and a life that I am terrified if I found out that they were in my position. I just thought, I don't want to get to that point. And in our case, it was where now on both sides, like me and their other parent are so much happier. I mean, we're living our best, better lives. And um, just recently, one of my kids told me that before divorce, they, when they would hear their dad come home, they, that the whole temperature in the house changed. They said just something changed and, um, it wasn't a good feeling, you know? And after we divorced and we had our separate homes, that wasn't there anymore. And I'm so thankful that they even had the words to describe that because I felt it. I know I felt it. I dreaded every time he came home. And I feel if you're listening and that is how you feel, please look up Jessica. Okay. <laughs> look up with Jessica. Or, you know, just start talking to someone. The other thing is, I don't know about you, Jessica. I mean, you were writing on your blog, but before the point of taking off your rings, did you share with a lot of people what was going on for me? I hid even from my closest friends that we were even like close to divorce. And, you know, and they're like, while I did want to leave for a very long time, they're that fine, that last year, it was getting pretty clear. So, but I kept it to myself. So I'm wondering what your experience is with that. I was, I was pretty quiet. I told um, my closest ring of friends because one of them was an attorney and I needed to find an attorney. Um, I went, I took my son, we went to a birthday party and we never came home. I went with a laundry basket full of clothes and went to live with my parents. I did not tell very many people. Um, Around the time Stefania and I were doing this like blog giveaway around changing your life, like it was like a new you and um, encouraging people to be in this like and this giveaway for a big basket of like spa, whatnot, um, by writing about a way that they were committing to changing their life. And um, and so we did like roundups of all these people. And a reporter from the Chicago Sun-Times called me to do a story on it, which is like a weird thing to do a story. But anyway, it was about like blogging the cha- changes in your life. And the woman said to me, I heard that somebody in this group of women doing it the change in her life is she's getting divorced. Do you know who it is? And I said, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do know who it is. And she's like, do you want to talk about it? And I said, it's me. And she's like, oh. <laughs> and so I think at that point I knew like I am actually getting divorced. And mm-hmm. it's okay to talk about. So there was there was like just some turning point there. Um, But it did feel very vulnerable. Also, before I left, I did this post on Stroller Derby for Babbel, which is old timey as well. I wrote on there with you too. (laughs) About how I I thought what was going on with my husband was that he was having kind of a postpartum breakdown. And I wrote about it. Gothamist picked it up and tore me apart about how I was inviting him to kill himself. And mm. I was horrified and terrified and still in a moment where I thought I can save this man from whatever breakdown he's having. And so I think that also really made me nervous to write about it. But like things that happen when you get covered and torn apart by someone else, often the repercussions are much smaller than you anticipate they'll be. And so I think I understood I have more here to talk about than I do to cover up. Do you want to if share a little bit about that? And... <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say, well, Heather? 
Well, I was just going to say, you know, we're all thinking the same thing right now, which we can talk about, but I, um, I find it endlessly fascinating how big the feelings are when something, some sort of backlash happens. Um, and then exactly what you just said, that the repercussions are much smaller than those feelings. And I, I'm curious, first of all, if the feelings have gotten smaller when you do get backlash, like if you've just learned to cope or, or just kind of ignore it because it's like, you've seen that it's not as big as it feels. And, um, and in general, what do you feel and what is your response to the backlash that is centered on, well, she influences people to get divorced when they maybe don't need to, or, you know, this is against whatever values, you know, that I was just actually explaining it to my dad, who is a very faith focused, pretty conservative guy, you know, and he asked me who we were interviewing today. And I told him and I told him, um, you know, what your work is. And I said, Dad, this is something that is needed for every person, including your own daughter, who has experienced divorce or is is about to enter into a divorce. That doesn't mean that I would have contacted Jessica three months before I decided to get a divorce to get her to influence me to get a divorce. Because when it comes down to it, that was, I know your integrity would not be to tell people what to do. It's to support people in what they need to do to save themselves and to have the best life they can. So go ahead with that business. Oh, and specifically, specifically Matt Walsh. We'll throw that in there too. Okay. Okay. It's, you know, it's, it's an easy argument that I'm the person I'm, I'm the person making people get divorced, which is so interesting because it's so counter to my practice. I see women at all stages from considering divorce in the messy middle and recovery from divorce. I have always have a core of women who are like, I need help making this decision. I'm very clear with them. I'm not divorce girl. I don't, <laughs> I'm not here to convince you or to even tell you that you should get divorced. I'm here to tell you that if you do, you need to be really confident because it's expensive emotionally, energetically, and financially. And logistically, it's really expensive. So you got to be all in on it. Um, and I have had clients who've chosen to stay married. I've had clients who've, I think they've, they've chosen to pause or, or stop coaching because they want to commit to their marriage. That's fine. My question to those people is always, if you are choosing to stay married or you are choosing to um, go a different path, how can you be happy, healthy, and thriving within that situation? How can I support you in that? Do you need support in that? I think the answer is clear. Now, some of those people come back um, a year later or longer, but it is not, even if I convinced somebody to get divorced and when they got in their feelings about it, who would they be mad at? Me. Now, it's not just about me being like, it's not just me being worried people will be mad at me. I've gotten a lot better about that. But it is me. Uh, it's like, then it's not their own. It has to be your own. Okay, so there's that. But I did um I did get picked up um by well, picked up is is like a weird way to say that. <laughs> Matt Walsh, who's a very conservative YouTuber, I guess. I'm gonna be honest with you, I had no idea who he was before this. He somebody tipped him off. To me, the devil of divorce. <laughs> Sent him several of my TikToks and he was going to include me in a weekly list. He does of people to cancel, but I'm so bad. He said that he dedicated an entire 11 minute episode to me. I was breaking <laughs> apart, you know, the family structure and contributing to the downfall of America. And it, I mean, it went on and on with like really <laughs> one end of the spectrum kinds of language. He called me a witch and said at one, um, at one point he said, if she was born in a different time, she would have been tried and hanged as a witch. And I was like, you know what? Okay. <laughs> Maybe. I'm kind of woo-woo. I have a degree. I have a whole master's degree in women's studies. Have I been out 
kind of naked dancing around under the moon yes probably going to be tried and hanged as a witch yeah i didn't take that as an insult i didn't take anything he said as an insult um there were three thousand comments many of them about my hair many of them about um how can you take advice from somebody who's single like do you want a divorce coach who's married i don't know that's a choice (laughs) i think I, and and there was some, you know, there were some trolls and there was some hate mail. A lot of what they called me was, you know, lesbian, cat lady, Karen, die alone. Now, outside of a Karen, which I don't think that was appropriate in that situation. None of that's an insult. Okay, thanks. Like, I don't know. That's fine. But I, I think a few things happened that were different than that situation with Gothamist, um, which I did think about a lot. First of all, I have a lot more experience being yelled at, um, being yelled and blamed for things and untruths that are much um, by a man that are much higher stakes. Mm. Since that time, I was subsequently in a 10-year relationship where those things were happening in my home. And have since been yelled out in court, um, things that are so wrong um, and so high stakes for me in terms of care of my children. And so I hate to say it, but I'm more practiced at hearing it and more Mm. practiced at coaching myself through understanding who I am and my trust for navigating and centering in what, who I am and how I show up, who I choose to be. So that has helped in this situation. Also, their language, ultimately, what I heard told me, your wives are contacting me to divorce you. And that's why I'm a threat. So your wives will see this and they will be contacting me. Or men like you, your wives, that's why you don't like me. And, um, and that makes me feel good. That underscores why I do what I do. There was a power there. Also. All of these men coming over and commenting on my TikToks just made my engagement go up. It just brought traffic to my site. It just made the algorithm pick it up and spin me out more and more. And and so, um, so there's that. Also, I have a really strong community of people. At my church, the people at my church were the most pissed about this situation. That's awesome. And um, and then the women who I know and my clients, they were fiercely protective of me. So I really value that. Then something else really important came out of it. I have an 18-year-old son and an 8-year-old daughter. We talk about divorce a lot. I ask them questions like, from a kid perspective, what would you tell this client to do? All the time. So it's a constant topic of conversation. I had my 18-year-old son watch it and he was like, well, this is some stupid shit. And I was like, yes. And he's like, there's no there there to this man's arguments about you. And I was like, correct. Mm. And he said, why do people believe this stuff? And I was like, "Mm." I want you to notice when you go away to college, how men talk to women and about women, you're going to be in more spaces where the um, conversation about women is going to be amplified. And it will start with a small note about a woman being crazy or psycho or to blame for something. And it will get bigger and bigger and bigger. And you will have to choose who you will be in those moments because I'm the woman they're talking about. Your (laughs) sister's the woman they're talking about. The friends you have who you value, who are girls are women, that's who they're talking about. And this, um, because of the support of this kind of conversation, it gets bigger and the thinking gets bigger and bigger and it's supported by systems. And, mm. and so I need you to be aware of that. I thought that was such an important conversation. I, I really hope he holds it to his heart. He's very protective of me. And, and so that was important. Now, I didn't show it to my daughter, but she asked to know what was going on. And I shared it with her. And the girl was riled up. She's like, he doesn't even know. How you help mom every single day. And <laughs> it's not a bad thing. And girl power. And you don't even have to get married if you don't want to. Like she went on and on. And it was like 
so awesome and also teary for me because that's the hope that we are shifting the narrative. So that niche of men can spin out in whatever way they want. I honestly, I didn't, I was like, oh, how about that? But I wasn't upset and devastated in the way that I'd previously been. Does that, Mm -hmm. does all of that kind of come together? It's not impacting. It's not. It made perfect sense and it was so profound. Thank you. Yeah. And it's my partner, James, even went and well, when I told him that, he's like, she is fucking awesome. And he went and he got in the comments. (laughs) I I need to, I don't even remember what he was, but he was like, and he doesn't, he's like, that even made me comment and he doesn't comment. (laughs) Well, you know, people did ask me if I was going to comment. And really my thought about that was like, I've given enough time and attention and energy to men like this and to those kinds of comments. No. I'll focus on women, which is even more crazy making for people like that. So that's fine. But I I did definitely feel in that moment, I've had a lot of growth around how people perceive me and whether that's a threat or not. Part of that might be like I turned 50. <laughs> Part of it might be time and experience and, um, and confidence. Um, but if I was being canceled because I did something that was really offensive to people and groups that I care about, and it was a moment of learning and unlearning for me, there might've been other really emotionally hard things to do, but then there's a call. There's a way to move forward. So I, this wasn't that. You're exactly right. I I love everything you said. I love all of it. Yeah. Thank you. So, well, We've got TikTok now. We've got major social media that's so different than early 2000s blogging. So I'm just (laughs) curious if you could kind of share how writing and talking about divorce is different um, and how you're received and also maybe how did the pandemic affect things? Mm -hmm. These are really good questions. So once the pandemic hit, um, my content work just immediately evaporated. Like you know, whatever it was, February or March 14th, 2020, gone. Um, and, and I was already trying to transition my business to be predominantly divorce coaching. Um, but that did it because also immediately, what, immediately I had many clients, you know, it just started lots and lots of outreach from other clients. I was living in an abusive home at the time. And so that was um, confirming for me that other women were going through what I was going through and feeling the many layers of trauma of the pandemic, schooling kids, things shutting down, being trapped with someone you're scared of or, you know, you're desperately trying to get away from or whatever it is. And like just all of these layers of trauma, I felt a connection there, but I also understood like, this is the moment. And if there's going to be a business, that's going to thrive. It's going to be mine because I'm going to be there getting it as we go while I'm also extricating myself from this relationship. So that's just like, and I did not in any way. And still, honestly, this is like, I just do not talk about my situation that was going on there. Um, but it was, I was sitting in the bathroom with the door closed quietly talking to clients to reserve funds for myself to be able to leave a relationship without giving the idea that I was. So there was a lot going on and I did not talk about it. Um, And I have since then, um, my business is very busy. and, And I think it is because we are also at a place in the pandemic where that mental health load is just even more present. Like now it's chronic. And a lot of that is relationship based. Additionally, people who got married or had children during those early COVID days are feeling it in their relationships right now where it's not sustainable long-term. At the beginning of the pandemic, there were some statistics that like the searches on divorce were up 25% 25% and it was really hard to gauge the numbers. Now, as it's sussed out over the years, there's been some research that has said, well, divorces are pretty much at the same 
amount of people filing, it's taking longer because of just changes in the system and judges dying, court clerks not coming back to work or whatever. So there's those impacts. But I also think we are at a time now more than ever where there's so much more access to information. So you mentioned like TikTok, divorce talk on TikTok is huge. Um, You can access online information about divorce in a way you never could back when any of us got divorced, no matter what year it was, right? Like there's just so much more connection and information. And so that makes a difference. Wow. So I'm wondering, can you share, is there a big, huge lesson that you've learned through all of this or about divorce or just yourself other than, you know, being so proud? Is there anything that you can offer there? Like, what's the big takeaway about divorce? Uh, For you personally. Oh, for me personally. mm -hmm. Okay. I feel really grateful that I went through the divorce that I did, although it was agonizing and expensive in many ways. I feel really proud that I learned what I did about myself and that I built the muscle that I did. Because when it came time to leave this subsequent long-term relationship with one of my children's other parent. I had no doubt in my mind I could do it. And in fact, he said to me at one point, my biggest fear about you is you ha- that you know you'll be fine if you leave. And I was like, that's right. That is exactly right. And um, I'm not going to say that that, ha- that has been a really difficult process, but I never had any doubt. We've got to harness that power. And um, it's impact, it impacts everything. So I'm very clear about the kind of home that I want to have. I'm very clear about the people who I want in my life and who I don't. I'm less interested in obligatory relationships. I, I'm very clear about my priorities in terms of how I care for my children, how I speak to my children, what I want them to take away. But it doesn't mean that there's not hard stuff. There always is because the divorce stuff, the grief and the emotions surface in different ways over time for us and for our kids. So I don't know if that's like a clear takeaway. I think it's we're always building muscle. And then Mm -hmm. hopefully we remember that we have it when it's time to lift the heavy thing. Mm -hmm. I love that. I really do. That like felt so good right here in my chest hearing that because those are a lot of the things that I feel as well. So I know we're already getting close to an hour. Did you have something you want to add, Heather? So I want to, I'm so yes, curious, I do. Heather, what you oh. want to say. Well, I think I, I kind of play devil's advocate, but it's out of a real place in the sense of my own insecurities that I'll always be working on. Um, when you were talking about the healthy parent and how much better that is, I got my usual shame feeling in my gut that pops in and out pretty much every day that I have to battle. Because really the truth is I am a good mother, but I struggle with it. And part of that is the divorce in the sense that single motherhood initially was so taxing to me. Um, I had four jobs. My parents both got sick. Elsie got sick, my youngest, and I feel like I'm still kind of a shell of a person because of all of that. And I think that that's the the truth for many moms going through a divorce. That is one of my strategies because sometimes someone like Steph just needs to say to me, but why do you have to look at it that way? You know, just the, when I'm being hard on myself and I'm scared when I'm living in fear that if I were to directly ask, I think, especially my daughter, who is so intuitive, and I think our daughters are maybe quite similar, um, a lot of feistiness and um, just uh, emotional intelligence. And I think if I, what went through my head when you said that was, I think if I said, do you have a healthy, happy mom to Elsie, who's 11, she would say, No. So I just wonder what your reflections are on that big whopper I just threw to you. I think that's real. And and what the snapshot kids give to us can be really tough. I 
I like to ask kids three questions, particularly through kids who've been through divorce. What are we doing really well? What could we be doing better? What do you think the next action is? Now, when you ask your kids mm -hmm. that, you're opening the conversation for them to be really honest with you. Um, and I and I say, like, you are the expert of your own experience. You are the only kids or only kid going through this. So I need to hear it. And I'm you're, it's safe to tell me. But that means they might tell you some really hard stuff. Mm -hmm. And and so. I just want to acknowledge that it's not all pretty, like you're not Wonder Woman and everybody's like, look at my mom. You know, it's not like that. <laughs> yeah. But I, um, and also adding in something that I connect to with you, Heather, is like, is being a daughter who is caring for parents with health and cognitive issues and what that, how that adds when you're, when you're sandwich parenting is some fuckery you know, um, and with kids and through these kinds of situations, it's a whole lot. So that's raw and it's real. But I, I guess the, my question is if you're, if your children are reflecting that to you, how, how might they see an opportunity for you to be happier and healthier? Mm -hmm. Because they might tell you something that is hard to hear, but that might also help you feel seen. Like I notice when you are knitting, you seem really happy. I notice when you get to take a walk every day, you seem really healthy. I notice that when we're all just sitting on the couch, that we're all happy and healthy. That might be important for you to hear. So I wonder if they might, but they might give you information that really hurts. And you're like, I got to figure out how to be happy and healthy. Regardless, mm -hmm. it is, it's an opening. And Heather, I feel like you, like, I just have to encourage right now the you even said that, you know, Elsie is so emotionally intelligent and, you know, that's because of you. And <laughs> like, I think it can be all of it, all of the things. It's not like mm -hmm. either or it's and like it, it can be more than, you yeah. know, like we always say, it's yeah. it's not just. It can be all of that. And I feel, mm -hmm. I feel like I see that with you. And like she was, like Jessica was saying, this is you, that's your muscles building. You know, like, I don't know that we'll ever arrive at the place where, you know, so it's always a process and that is the healing we're doing and our kids are seeing that healing. I don't, I don't know. I just, I, I have to remind myself of that all the time um, that I'm really glad I'm modeling that because I kind of grew up in a way where you just didn't really talk about your feelings or, you know, um, if you did, it, they needed to be positive or everything's okay, you know? And I mm -hmm. feel like the way we are being so real with our families and that is happy and healthy in a way, even though it might not feel it mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. If that makes sense. I love you both so much. I, uh, <laughs> those questions are so brilliant, Jessica, and mm -hmm. I'm going to ask them and I, mm. let's repeat them for people one time. Yeah. What are we doing really well? What could we be doing better? Don't ask what are we doing <laughs> crappy or what are we not doing? Yeah. it From a point of like, we are evolving. Okay, so what what could we be doing better? What's the next first action? What's a what's a thing we could do? Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. My daughter came out of therapy a few weeks ago and said, when I come home from my dad's house, you get a little stressed out when I really need a hug. And um, I need you to be she said, I need you to be more present. <laughs> now, <laughs> of, course, of course she did. Now, this is this is a kid who like. You know, at 1130 last night, I'm present with. So it was hard to hear. But opening, I think the very fact, Heather, that you've said my daughter would probably say no, tells me it's safe for her to tell you the truth. That says something about your home and who you are that is incredibly important for kids to feel secure. And so I give you a lot of credit for that. I'm going to give you like a long term perspective here, too. Okay. Mm -hmm. My son last year, okay, had his first girlfriend. I was not a fan of hers because of the way she spoke to him and the way she treated him. Um, 
And I understood why he really liked her. And I saw him really trying, but she really broke his heart. Oh, right after junior prom. It was ugly. (laughs) Anyway. So I felt really happy that he came to me to talk about it and, um, and talk about how she was like kind of baiting him consequently and what to do about it. And I said to him, you know, I just need to acknowledge that I really feel badly that I want you to have a model of happy, healthy relationships. And I haven't been able to give that to you. And I'm really sorry. And he said, I want to acknowledge that it takes two people to be in a healthy relationship. And you didn't receive that in return. But what you showed us is how to save yourself. (sighs) And I swear, you guys, on my on my dying day, I want to remember that like I want to remember that he got it. Now, does he get it every day? No. Will it always be in the frontal lobe? No. Might he be super pissed at me if he ever chooses to get married that he didn't have that to see? Yes. But that moment was so much validation that even through the hard stuff and the not healthy and not happy, he he sees. So I think I would just add, if we can keep talking to our kids, we can see what they see. And a lot of times it's that, wow, mom, you did the thing. so great and these are questions these are questions even if you're not if you're listening and you're like i'm so happily married you should still be talking to your kids about these things this is not just for divorce it's so important oh Um, such a beautiful conversation it's just you're a beautiful person as we wrap up, just real quick, what is what is the best way for someone to get in touch with you or like where like if they're like, how do I even start? You know, what would they what do you suggest? You are always welcome to reach out to me at divorcecoachformoms.com. I offer a complimentary session to everybody. So you're welcome to reach out and we'll get that set up for you. Um, I am on TikTok at um, Divorce Coach for Moms and I post videos there every day. And, and I think if, if you are needing to start where to start, um, before you take the deep dive into the Google and all the Buzzfeed lists and everybody's expertise about what you should and shouldn't do to take a moment wherever you can and get quiet with yourself, who can I reach out to? Who's safe to reach out to? What do I know right now? What do I need to know? Ask yourself those three questions. What's going really well? What could be going better? What's the next step? And make it as much of a baby step as you possibly can. And so that might be, I have a friend who one time got divorced. I know a podcast where they're talking about divorce. I need to tell, I need to tell my therapist. Whatever that is, get quiet enough within yourself that you can hear. I think, I think Steph, you said it so beautifully. Like whatever divinity comes to you from God, the universe, source, your instinct. Just follow that for the next step. I believe the people will show up. That's and I think that's that true. Big, that's the truth. Yeah. A big thing that I've heard on podcasts lately is, is it anxiety or is it intuition? Um, mm-hmm. Come up on a few podcasts that I listen to. And anxiety and fear are brother and sister, right? So I think... We convince ourselves when when we are trying to reach for that intuition, that divinity, we can convince ourselves, you know, oh, it's just anxiety or it's just fear that I'm feeling icky about this, you know, because it is so terrifying. But being able to find that space to what I always wrote about as my heart gut, you know, to be able to listen to your heart gut and just let yourself know what you know. Um, that mm-hmm. might not be that you're headed for divorce. That's not at all the point. Um, it It's just knowing yourself and asking yourself if you're okay. And yeah. one more thing I'd like to say um, before we go is just Steph and I are both in relationships now. I did get remarried. Steph is partnered. Let's say partnered. That'd be a good way to say it. Mm-hmm. And I just want to make a couple of comments about Um, that knowing, because relationships are hard and messy and imperfect. And I could easily go down a rabbit hole and convince myself that 
you know, never should have gotten married. We're mismatched. I don't know what I'm doing. He doesn't know what he's doing. You know, um, some of that can be unreal too. Um, and just a way of spinning in anxiety and the daily grind in our lives with taking care of my parents. And we have five kids among the two of us. We have four damn dogs. And, you know, it's like you have these days where you just do not feel good about the person. But if I'm going to sit in that quiet and reflect on why I am with this person, it is things I can name that are life-giving relationship things. And those might not all be this exact same specific things for every person in every relationship. Everybody's different. Um, but I believe in that respect being a basis, that respect that I have for my husband um, as just a human and the way he honors me without it being like, well, I love you anyway, even though there's all these things that are wrong. You know, it's a, it's a just, I love all of you. And tenderness is such a huge part for me that some people don't have the um, emotional bandwidth to give that kind of vulnerable, intimate tenderness. And some of us really, really need that. I think maybe everybody does is we are just in such a hard world and that soft, safe place that's how it should feel. It should feel like a soft, safe place where there's tenderness. And my husband is not always perfect at that. And I am definitely not always perfect at that. Um, but I just wanted to add that, that, you know, mm -hmm. there are relationships that are life-giving and I don't even want to use the word happy because it's not, that's not how I see my relationship. It's not really the word I would use, but, but we are super connected and vulnerable and tender. So I just encourage people to ask themselves that too. Like, what what do I have? Not as a way to convince yourself you're not in trouble. <laughs> you know, just like mm -hmm. searching for something positive. But if things are okay, if they do feel good in your heart gut, maybe you'll find some of those reminders there too. If that made any sense at all, I did the rambling thing. Mm -hmm. I always do. <laughs> no, I, I love it. And I, I think something that I've recently understood more is that, um, and, and just from reading and watching the TikToks, um, is that it, it requires safety to, to be truly intimate with someone. And that's emotionally, physically, spiritually, whatever that is for you. And, and I just kept thinking that as you were talking, that the, that's mm -hmm. like the tenderness, like you have to, you, it has to feel safe. Mm -hmm. To not to be not okay and to be with each yeah. other and to still have that intimacy. And I really value that when I see amazing women have that, particularly beyond divorce, because I understand how vulnerable we have to be to mm -hmm. let somebody in at that level and be willing to go there with somebody else in a way that's different because there's always you could rebound or whatever right like yeah, you can yeah. you, there are lots of different ways to be intimate but truly truly intimate is something I really value and I feel like for me is an area of growth for me about I see it I am in awe of it I'm learning from it and so I appreciate it that you to read what you've written Heather about it and to talk about that situation because it allays the fear that this is all going to, we're going to keep replaying the same thing over and over again or whatever mm -hmm. it is. It's just really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just lastly, what you just said made, um, I think it's the most recent video I shared on Instagram with my parents and my mom who has Alzheimer's having a really tough night and how she went and climbed in the chair with my dad. And that's what came to mind when you said that safety and that tenderness, you know, who could be more vulnerable than someone in her position, you know, and that her instinct was to go be as near to him as possible is just something I wanted to add because I just thought it was so beautiful. Yeah. And it was hilarious because she was smashing him. Jessica, <laughs> <laughs> you are just pure class to me. Like, I just think you. I love you and I'm so thankful too. for you.
And I love this conversation. It makes me feel Mm -hmm. so good inside. Be sure you follow Jessica at Divorce Coach for Moms. Apparently, I'm going to have to start getting on the TikToks. (laughs) I need to. I just haven't and I need to. But I know a lot of other people are. And the people that need you are going to find you. Um, Mm -hmm. Anything last you want to say, Heather, before we wrap this up? No. How about you, Jessica? just want to say thank you. I adore you both. I really do. I think you're wonderful. I'm so happy you're doing this podcast together because it's the perfect pairing and just a lot of love. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much for being here. We'll see you on the interweb. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Bye. Bye. Hi, this is Elsie King, Heather King's daughter. I was talked about briefly in today's episode, and I just wanted to say that my mom is sometimes happy and healthy. <laughs> and um, we did actually go over the questions that Jessica uh, said to ask me, if that made sense. <laughs> and um, so we went over it. It was a great conversation, and I just wanted to Thank Jessica for being in today's episode, and thank you guys for listening. Thank you. We love you. Bye.